Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment. Hit me up. The majority of these NFL and college football coronavirus cases can be linked to Halloween. You have 10 college football games canceled this week. So many names on the NFL COVID list. I will tell you why I believe that. Please stop with the election conspiracy theories. They don't make sense at all. The credit rating firms, they remain confident about the NBA, NFL, and the MLB, despite the leagues experiencing a combined revenue drop of $13 billion. And of course, my college football picks for the weekend. Am I Reister or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door. No BS allowed because I keep it 100. Please make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube or anywhere else, thumbs up, like it, subscribe, all of those things. You can get a hold of me, GW Podcast at unafraidshow.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, send it to them. All of that could let us continue to grow because of you. And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles Podcast, college football podcast, and also Fox Sports Radio, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific on Sundays, and that's 5 to 8 Eastern Time. We're going to start with, though, the majority of these NFL and college football coronavirus cases that they can be linked to Halloween. There is a few things that have led me to that conclusion, and they all are about common sense plus some insider information. So you've had 10 college football games that have been canceled or postponed this weekend. We just before got on to record this, found out that Utah and Arizona, that game got canceled. We found out that the Washington Cal game got canceled yesterday. The NFL teams have, you know, the 49ers have four guys, Packers three, Matthew Stafford's on it, Andy Dalton, a bunch of guys from the Texans, Ravens, Chris Jones, Trent Brown, Andy Dalton, I mean, just a bunch of guys. So I know this for a fact, that there are some guys in the NFL who either attended Halloween parties or through Halloween parties, various types of Halloween parties. We won't even get into that. So that that puts you at increased risk. And that's why you're having that. And mind you, that does not mean that all of these players went to parties or participated or anything like that. But what it does mean is, is that the people that they are either around in their family or their teammates did some of these things, which then put them at increased risk. I know it sucks if you're a professional athlete, like in, in real life, if somebody said, all right, look, I'm going to give you a few hundred thousand dollars. I'll give you $750,000. I'll give you a million dollars. You just wrap yourself up in bubble wrap for seven months and don't do anything. Pick up your checks, go to work, go home. Your kids want to go play with other people. You can't let them go do it. You, you have to protect yourself. If somebody said that to you, logically, you would say, all right, cool. I'm in. I'll do it. That's good. Good money. 
but it's the actual application of it that has proven difficult for uh, professional athletes and obviously college athletes as well. Because when it comes to holidays, celebrations, getting together with your family who you haven't been able to see, we're focused on the election. People are stressed out. Uh, people die. People get sick. Your uh, financial troubles, all of that. People want to connect with other people. And that's what makes it hard. You know, the weather's starting to change. You want to be around all of that. That makes it very difficult. And that's why for a lot of these professional and college athletes, you're having cases pop up now. Weather's changing. People are indoors more. A lot of people feel like that even in their social circles, they're like, okay, I'm safe. I don't need to wear a mask when I'm around people that I know. But that is not, unfortunately, that's not how it works. The election's here, almost done, and the coronavirus is still here. The NFL hasn't had any more games postponed and canceled, but it has changed its protocols. And then that leads me to the college games that have been canceled. The uh, Cal and Washington game got canceled. One positive case, one positive case. And you have an entire position group, basically one of the important position groups. So it's either O-line or D-line getting wiped out because of contact tracing. And this is what's a little bit confusing about the protocols. So the city of Berkeley who canceled the game, not Cal, because Cal wanted to play. They have put in place a situation where they have strict contact tracing rules. And but if the Pac-12, who's touted their antigen testing, their daily testing and all of that to isolate cases, why can't you isolate cases, leave people in contact tracing for two, three days and then let them play? That's part of the issue because they would still be tested every day and all of that. And you wouldn't actually have to call off these games. So the Cal Washington game is a tricky one. And then it also they were trying to move the game from Berkeley to Washington. But that's not going to work because those players in Berkeley are being monitored and can't leave the state. So you still have the same problem, whether you're playing in California or whether you're playing in Washington. Um, and then we find out that Utah, Arizona has been canceled. Utah doesn't have the minimum number of scholarship players. So they have too many positive cases and uh, the that and you have players out with contact tracing. So let's assume that they have a full 85 man scholarship roster. You sub it, the Pac-12 rules say that you have to have 53 scholarship players. And so 85 Minus 53, that leaves you with 32. So that means that if you're under that, that puts you at 33 players. Because they didn't say a position group was wiped out. I said under the number of scholarship players available. So that puts you under 53. That's a lot of players either positive or in contact tracing. And that's in the state of Utah. And the school asked the Pac-12 for the game to be canceled, not the state. So it's a different situation. But all these things are... I believe linked back to Halloween because people went out. They said, oh, I'm going to go out with my friends for a few minutes. It is what it is. My I've had uh, COVID strike in my family, all of that. So, guys, be out there. Be careful. Be safe. But also understand that these football games are a very fluid situation. And in the pros, especially the deeper and deeper that you get into the season, and people have family trouble, uh, people asking for money, 
You got COVID, people fighting about the election. Is it over? All of that. And playing time, being injured, people don't always make the right decisions in those times. So that's where you have people that are going to have problems. Uh, next thing up, the election. Guys, I'm not going to even get into who we voted for, any of that stuff. But can we please stop with the election conspiracy theories? Because truthfully, they don't make sense at all. They don't. I mean, the Sharpie gate down in Arizona. You have the, the secret video with the guy, the postal worker with the with the blurred face and the and the and the changed voice. I'll get into why that's silly anyway. And then the nonsense about the mail-in ballots. There are a few key points I want to bring up about that. So are we supposed to believe? Actually, actually, I'll go to the first thing first. Um, before I even get into that. Like people assume my political affiliation always do because probably because I'm a youngish black man, former pro athlete. I support LeBron James and don't support this president. So they assume you're a, oh, you're a liberal Democrat. No, slow down. And I actually lean more conservatively, but I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I vote for who I believe best represents me, my values, and who I believe will do the best for my family. So I vote either way. I voted all along, uh, all along the spectrum. I voted for independents, voted for Democrats, and I voted for Republicans in multiple states that I've lived in. So that's the way I roll. So before I get to my key points, just wanted to make sure that that was known. Are we supposed to believe? That Democrats, quote unquote, stole or rigged the election from Trump, but forgot to do the Senate and the House. Really? Really? Come on, man. I know that there is a runoff and probably a runoff in two seats in Georgia, but they may not even get a majority. Like, come on, man. Like, And then the mail-in ballots. Democrats and Republicans knew that the mail-in ballot ballots were going to be a real thing because de- Democrats overwhelmingly I uh, have a more have a lower risk tolerance as it relates to the coronavirus and you have spikes. So they were doing mail in ballots more because of that. States weren't used to dealing with this number of mail in ballots. So that has created a slowness as well. And then you have people saying, oh, well, the, the states, why are they counting so slowly? No, they're not counting slowly. The thing is, all of the states are not done counting. Like if you look at whatever news channel that you want, you see other states that are still like Utah and other states that are still like 92 percent reporting, 94 percent reporting. The difference is, is that the election was already decided there. It's not even close. And they have a good idea of what's coming in from the other counties. So they know that they can just call that state. It's, it's over. So that's the difference. I mean, the only reason that Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, North Carolina and Georgia seem so slow. Is that their actual that the eyes are on them. People want the information now, but these states, uh, but the counts in other states aren't done. They're not done in California. They're not done in other states, but they already know the outcome. That's the difference. So these election conspiracy theories don't make any sense at all. I, here's the thing I believe in life. Like you have to learn how to lose. 
Like you lost, take your L. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in politics. Like, and inflaming the situation only makes things worse. And that the idea that this is supposed to be a stolen election and, and the Democrats left Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, let them get reelected, man, get out of here. Doesn't even make sense at all. I, I just can't get behind it because as a country, the president is the president now. Democrats had to move on last time. Now Republicans got to move on this time. If you continue to inflame the situation, Things are going to devolve even further. That's why we need a unifying message. Like when John McCain lost to President Obama, that was an excellent speech. I posted it on my Twitter. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys to check out as well. Uh, the next thing up. So the the NFL, NBA and NBA, NFL and MLB, they are going to lose revenue of about 13 billion dollars. That's the MLB about 7.7 billion, NFL about 4 billion, that's projected, and the MLB like I mean and the NBA about 1.2 billion. So the municipalities that like that own some of these stadiums that they 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 understand now that they have the liquidity to survive the revenue losses from the pandemic. And the teams can pay them back because the NBA has already put in a structure for the salary cap in well staying flat this year and making incremental gains over years until the deficit from this year, the 1.2 billion for the NBA is made up. So that makes sense. The NFL is getting ready to sign. Like we talked about a couple shows ago, the biggest TV contracts in the history of sports. They're going to be getting like $2 billion a year from whoever gets Sunday night football, then more from Monday night football, more from the just the the Sunday packages of games. This is going to be a big revenue boost. So the creditors are not even worried about it. If there are bonds out, anything so they know that the money is there. Um, So it is a big deal. And a lot of this money was lost from ticket revenue. And also the MLB just signed a big deal with Turner as well, like the NFL did. So there is money there. And so what are these leagues doing to really combat this? So the NBA, their $1.2 million billion, which was, which was $800 million in ticket revenue because they moved to the bubble. There's another $400 million from... Uh, sponsorships, ads, merchandise sales, all of that. And then they lost another $200 million from not from the issue with Daryl Morey in China. So it was actually like 1.4 billion, but they didn't even put in the China money. So that is a, a huge deal in the situation. And in the NFL, that $4 billion, it's not going to be necessarily made up I mean, it will when your tickets go up ever so slightly, but it's also going to, they're also looking into other revenue streams to make that up. Other add-on packages that you can buy to give you additional quote unquote inside access. I mean, that's a reason why that the MLB saw league revenue fall to 3 billion in 2020 from 10.7 billion in 2019 but they are able to recover 
It's tough when you lose that much in cash, but they will be a-okay. Uh, the next thing up, my college football picks because it is college football season. And again, and I pick them against the spread. And if you guys have been paying attention, the last two weeks, locks of the week have come through. I am 2-0 and on my locks of the week. And last week I went 4-4 four and four against the spread. A couple teams didn't show up. LSU's defense, good God. I mean, they, I don't even know if they should put a line on whoever they play next because they're giving up a billion. And overall, and over the first two weeks, I am 6-9-1. Not, not, not bad, but we rallied last week. This week, going to absolutely crush it. First game up. The first Pac-12 game up. Hopefully, it's played. <laughs> Hopefully, it's played. You got Arizona State at USC. USC's favorite by 10 and a half points. Keaton Slovis, quarterback at USC, versus Jaden Daniels, quarterback at ASU. Clay Helton versus Herm Edwards. Who you got? Slovis, I would say, mm, Slovis put up better numbers last year. I'm giving the edge to Slovis in the quarterback territory and Herm in the coaching territory. And when coaching meets quarterback play, and especially when coming off a pandemic, all of that, I am going with USC to win because they're more talented. But ASU beats the spread here. This is absolutely easy work because people aren't paying attention. The weather is going to be nasty in LA. It's going to start raining tonight. The air raid offense is going to have trouble. Receivers slipping. And Arizona State likes to play close, nasty games. And USC is on upset alert because of the weather. Next game up, the Michigan Fighting Harbaugh's, who I am one of the last people on earth, apparently, not calling for Jim Harbaugh to be fired. They are one and one. They beat the brakes off of Minnesota. And then they came back and lost to Indiana on a on a I'm no, no I'm sorry they came back and lost to Michigan State in a game they were largely dominated. Indiana beat Penn State hmm, on that last second dive by the quarterback. This is a close game as well because Indiana plays games like that. They are much improved and they're two and zero. But Harbaugh will not lose back to back games against teams that aren't spectacular. Michigan State's not. You, uh, Indiana's not spectacular. This is a game Michigan's favored by three and a half points. They win and they cover. Go blue. Hopefully. Next game up is my absolute lock of the week. This is, you can take this to the bank and my locks are two and oh so far this year. Two of them were upset picks where I picked Florida State to upset. I think it was, uh, North Carolina. And it was last week, Texas winning. Come on, man. My locks of the week are going down. And this is, this one's not an upset. This is just a cover. Stanford at Oregon. This game started out at about 10 and a half or 11 points. The line's been moving down and it's at eight. Oregon's favored by eight points. Line fell two and a half or three points. I'm not sure why, but I absolutely love it. Stanford is missing a bunch of guys on defense and the Ducks defense should be really good. 
This is a weather game as well. Should be raining out there in Austin Stadium, even though it never rains in Austin Stadium. But Stanford has so many guys out on defense. I, I just don't see how the Ducks don't absolutely dominate this game. Coming out 1-0, big win, lock of the week. Write it down, remember it, take a picture. I don't give a, you know, from Money Talks. Next game up, Liberty versus Virginia Tech. Why do we care about this game? Uh, Because Liberty's pretty damn good. They beat Power 5 teams before. They beat Baylor a couple years ago. And they are an up-and-coming program. They're ranked in the top 25 for the first time ever, I would imagine. And I absolutely hate this line. Virginia Tech's favored by 16 points. 16 points. Their passing game is limited with um, Hendon Hooker and Brandon and yeah, Burmeister at quarterback. They do run the ball well with Khalil Herbert. And when it comes to Liberty, they have one player on offense that you have to stop, and that's Mark Willis. He's their quarterback, their leading rusher. He's their man. But this game feels like free money to me. Virginia Tech likely wins because they're more talented, but Liberty absolutely beats the spread. Uh, Next game up, a team that I rolled with before and a team that I am bullish on right now is the Texas Longhorns. Texas is favored by six points playing against the West Virginia Mountaineers. And Tom Herman is a fighter. This dude will absolutely go down swinging. He won't lose back-to-back games. Texas wins and Texas covers. Sam Ellinger comes out looking like a superhero. And then we can fight about the Eyes of Texas song again after the game. Next game. This is an interesting game. Uh, You're probably wondering why I picked two games with losing records. Um, Part of it, two teams with losing records. Part of it is because 10 games got canceled. The other reason is because it's interesting. You got Tennessee, who Tennessee fans were so excited. Oh, we won eight games in a row. We're so excited. This is great. And then you realize that you just played teams that sucked last year at the end of the season. And Tennessee's two and three, and they're favored by a point and a half heading into uh, heading into Fayetteville at Arkansas. And you have Felipe Franks doing a good job. Arkansas had lost like 20 straight SEC games. Then they came out and won a pair. And I like it. And the Tennessee Jimmy uh, Jeremy Pruitt Boo Birds are going to be out because the fans are going to turn on Garantano very quickly. Arkansas wins outright. No points necessary. It was only a point and a half, so it was close. I don't need no damn points. Give me the Hogs, Pig Suey. Probably the biggest game of the weekend is the Florida-Georgia game. Used to be the biggest cocktail party in the world, but no longer. <laughs> they will have, I don't know if they'll have any fans in the stands. Oh, no, 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 no. They're in Jacksonville, so they'll be able to have some. Um, Dan Mullins. Well, actually, the, the line first. Georgia's favored by three points. Weather appears to be good. And Florida's three and one. Georgia's four and one. And Dan Mullins has been absolutely showing his ass. Like, Tried to incite a fight at halftime last week. Came out in the Darth Vader mask. Talking about Phil the Swamp. Yeah, he's definitely the villain of the SEC right now. But Florida wins the game. 
They win the game. I don't need no points, no nothing. Florida beats Georgia. Why is that? Simple. Offense is greater than defense. Great offense beats great defense. People make Hail Mary catches. People make Hail Mary throws. All of that. And Florida has a weapon in pits. Their wide receiver, their uh, tight end that nobody can stop at this. But well, in the passing game, especially. And Georgia's defense has been good, but their offense stinks. If Florida scores 30 points, 27 points, actually even 25 points, Georgia cannot beat them. The only problem that Florida can have is that Georgia, well, Florida's defense has been trash this year. Trash. Hasn't been like everybody's looking like, yo, what the hell happened to the defense? Mr. Gunther, what, what happened to the defense? I mean, and Kirby and Georgia fans are starting to, after they lose this game, they're going to be starting to look at Kirby Smart like he's Mark Richt. Georgia's defense stinks. I'm sorry, Georgia's offense stinks. You know, Stetson Bennett the fourth. The fans are calling for JT Daniels. I don't know what it is, but they need a whole philosophy change. Maybe they don't have the quarterback for it. Maybe Todd Munkin is still is being influenced by Kirby Smart. I don't know what it is, but they need a change. Two games left. Oklahoma State, who I do not believe in. Like, it's something about Mike Gundy and Ohio, and Oklahoma State just in general that I usually just kind of, but this year I'm not feeling them at all. They're ranked 14th now. Still feels a bit too high, but close to where they ought to be. Feel like they should be like 18, 19 around there. So that means they got to lose another game. Um, But it won't be this one. I don't believe in Mike Gundy at all. If oh, if Kansas State had their normal quarterback, Thompson, I would be picking them to outright win this game. But Oklahoma State's favored by 12 and a half points playing in Manhattan. I know Kansas State started a freshman quarterback last week in uh, Will Howard, but he will be even better this week. I don't believe in Mike Gundy. Howard will play better. Oklahoma State wins, but K-State beats this 12 and a half points. I'm telling you. Um, last game up. Now, actually, I would say, so I said the Florida-Georgia game was the biggest game of the week. Slow down, George. This is the biggest game of the week. Clemson at Notre Dame. And the, okay. I think it kind of sucks because touchdown, because touchdown Jesus is not going to be playing in front of touchdown Jesus. You have Trevor Lawrence who is not going to be playing in this game. They got DJ Uyugulele. Yeah, DJU. He's playing starting quarterback for Clemson. California kid made it all the way out there to the smallest school in the smallest city in the ACC. So Clemson's favorite by five and a half points. There's the weather's going to be good. Notre Dame's uh, turf and grass that like they're probably going to have it six inches long. I know it's turf now. But uh, still, uh, it would take Ian Book's best game of his whole life to beat Clemson. And is that possible? Yes. But overall, he's not dynamic enough. He'll do a bunch of good plays and then he'll play really average for a while. And Notre Dame is not an elite team. Like there's a difference when you see Alabama, Clemson, who you've seen this year, absolutely just crush people, right? Even when Alabama's defense was terrible against Ole Miss, you felt like if they got 28 possessions, they would score 28 points. 
And against Notre Dame, it's going to be competitive at first. Clemson's going to pull away late because DJU showed that he's ready. Clemson wins. Clemson covers. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment, tell a friend, and make sure that you subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Uh, You guys can download the podcast if you're watching it live stream right now. Peace out. Catch you guys on Monday and, of course, on Twitter.